Next on BYU Sports Nation, we venture inside the other in-state rivalry. The radio voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, examines the BYU-Utah State game and why this year's matchup carries so much more than just rivalry bragging rights. Utah State radio play-by-play, Al Lewis joins BYU Sports Nation. Why Utah State feels they need this win more than BYU and what it will mean for the Aggies going forward. Plus, BYU sophomore running back Jamal Williams returns, but not without some cautionary measures from the Cougar coaching staff breaking down the J-Swag Daddy effect. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Say hello to Wednesday, October 2nd, sports style here at the BYU Broadcast Building in Provo, Utah. I'm Spencer Linton. Jerem Jordan sits just to my right. First and foremost, a rise and shout to all of you for making us part of your busy day. Get ready for the play-by-play expertise from both BYU and Utah State, breaking down the crucial running game battle. And how in the world does BYU turn around the turnover struggles? Oh, by the way, tomorrow... Coaching legend, the great Lavelle Edwards, joins us on BYU Sports Nation. Former Aggie player, BYU legend, of course. So Lavelle gets his undergrad at Utah State, his master's degree from Utah, and a doctoral degree from BYU. A trifecta. Boom, boom, boom. That's pretty good. He's got the trifecta. Do you know who else has a doctoral degree on BYU's current coaching staff? There's, there's two guys. You know it. Robert and I. And? Oh, you're putting me on the spot, Jerem. Uh, I don't know. Mark Atuaya. Mark Atuaya. Dr. Atuaya and Dr. Bob. I saw Dr. Atuaya and Dr. and I uh, at Riverwoods here in the Provo, Utah area the other day enjoying a meal and uh, walked up to him and, and gladly thanked Doctor? him. Doctor? Yes, yes. Thanked uh, Dr. and I for joining us on our BYU Sports Nation debut. Did he know who you were? When I said that, yes, at first he was okay. kind of like, who is, who is this guy? And what do you want from well, me? Yeah, yeah. Leave me alone. Let me eat my food. I thought we passed the ball effectively last week. Leave me alone. <laughs> hey, keep in mind, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation on BYUradio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. You can also catch the show on demand every afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. That's how you listen, and this, my friends, is how you get involved in the conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation, and vote in our daily poll question at BYUTVSports.com. Jerem, react! What do you expect from BYU's run game on Friday? A. Jamal's back. Run him! B. 200-plus yards from multiple contributors. C. Taysom has another 100 yards rushing. D, it's a defensive game with under 150 yards rushing. Vote now on BYUTVSports.com and weigh in at BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy, do you have any uh, initial thoughts on that poll question? Uh, well, since you can only pick one, I guess. I'm, I'm going to go with B, 200-plus from multiple contributors. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably... I would guess that's probably going to be the most common answer. Although I wouldn't be surprised to see Taysom go for 100-plus. I think that that's part of the 200-plus. Okay, and so Jamal's back, run him. So I'm going A, B, and C. <laughs> this is like, if you went to BYU, sometimes sometimes there's just some weird tests where it's, uh, is it A, B, and C, but not D? Is it B, C, and D, but not A? I hated those tests, so I'm answering that way right now. It's A, B, and C, but worst. not D. Oh, my friends, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Run, Cougars, run. Stop the run, run the ball. You know, we're going to have to find ways to run the ball on offense. We're going to stop the run, um, stop the QB run game. Utah State head coach Matt Wells on the run game being the absolute key in this game, both running the ball effectively, and stopping the run. And if you want to beat BYU this year, at least through four games, it doesn't take a long time to figure out you got to slow down Taysom Hill and the BYU stable of running backs. To me, that was the key in last year's game, a 6-3 win for BYU against Utah State in Provo. BYU defensively stopped the run really well against Kerwin Williams. Chucky Keaton struggled. Uh, BYU's front seven was awesome. And Ziggy had a great game. Preston Hadley... Uh, a cornerback for BYU, was really good in the run game, too. Uh, so that was the key. And, of course, BYU's offense right now, 
the revolves around its ability to run. When BYU is forced to pass, they're just not as effective. Uh, Ziggy, that was really his coming out party. Yeah, Boise right. State, he did well, but Utah State was was where it was like, who is this guy? And then Georgia Tech is where he went into all the, the draft boards first round. Right after that. It's not like BYU's front seven has dropped off that much, That much, but you wonder who's going to step up for BYU in that run defense. And on the other hand, Utah State, they lost Kerwin-Williams. How are they going to run effectively against BYU's front seven? Interesting matchup right there. Coach and I, Robert and I, we addressed him as Dr. and I earlier, has a game plan for Jamal Williams on Saturday, but it probably won't include 30-plus carries. We're going to uh, watch that closely. Uh, and we'll be working with his trainers in that regard. And, uh, you know, anytime a kid comes back from that, uh, I'd rather err on the side of caution. So, no, I, I'm not uh, looking forward to Jamal going in with his normal workload. What is a normal workload for a college running back? For Jamal Williams, it's it's been right around 30 carries and, and over 100 yards per game. Yeah, 76 in three games. So he went 62, he got 14 in the Utah game before, before he, got he was injured. hurt. Yeah. He was he was injured early in the third quarter. Yeah. So he was on his way to 20 plus. I think with Jamal this week, obviously you don't go 30, but you probably got to go somewhere 18 to 24, I'm thinking is a healthy amount. And it depends how it's going. If he's rolling, you you want to err on the side of caution, but if he's rolling, it's hard not to keep feeding the hand that that keeps providing those good rushing yards. I'd like to know what his yards after contact are. He is such a physical runner. He's good. He's only lost five yards total in 76 carries. He, just, he, he always gets something. Yeah, not many guys can say that. There's a, there's a lot of shifty, slippery running backs, you know, the Reggie Bush types, Barry Sanders types. Jamal is fast but physical, and uh, ultimately that's probably what causes concussion is he just he lowers the boom. And it was a third down. It might have been fourth down. It was a fourth and one. It was a fourth down. Yeah. He's trying to get that yard so hard, lowers his head to make sure he gets it, and then that happens. Okay, so Jamal back on the field will obviously generate some attention, and that's a great thing for BYU. Uh, any anything Anytime Taysom has the ability to hand the ball off to a person like Jamal Williams or any of those talented running backs, it's going to open a lot of things for BYU. And if you're concerned about the fumbles, Jamal doesn't fumble the ball, Hard, hardly ever. So ball security will be big as well. Now we mentioned the stable of running backs, and Coach and I yesterday talked about an unheralded character who is up and coming. He had this to say about Algernon Brown. Algie Brown did a really good job carrying the ball and securing the ball as he went. That's the makings of a really good running back. So we, we were... Really pleased with the progress that Algie showed. And Algie's young, so the upside, I look at that as tremendous. Algie Brown had a bone-rattling, crushing run during fall camp uh, that everybody talked about. And you can, you can get on YouTube and check it out. It, it's worth watching. He's got that capability. And then he came in at the end of the Middle Tennessee game and did a really nice job. 11 yeah. carries, 68 yards, 6.2 yards per carry. It is in garbage time, but if a guy can excel at any point, I don't care if it's garbage time. Middle Tennessee, I'm not sure if they had their backups in or not. I imagine they had their starters in still. Uh, those were good, solid runs. So the go-fast, go-hard offense that BYU features now has so much depth at running back. Again, we've talked a ton about the wide receivers because they all came back and there was a lot of emphasis on BYU throwing the ball. They have so much talent at the wideout position. But look at the running backs. Okay, you get Jamal Williams back. You have Paul Asike, Michael Elisa, Adam Hine may or may not play. And he's only had four carries for a total of three yards. This is without Adam Hine, who's probably not going to play on Friday, it yeah. sounds like. And now Algie Brown. And Algie Brown. Physically... That's a daunting task for any defense. Right. They're all physical runners. And you need three with this offense. And you see that from Utah State as well. They have several good running backs. I like DiMartino, Hill, uh, Marshall's good as well. They have three plus Chucky. BYU feels like they have four plus Taysom. And you need that because sometimes Jamal gets a concussion. Sometimes Adam Hine gets a concussion. So you need several guys, and I, I, I like the depth that BYU's developed. And with the way this offense is run, go fast, go hard, where the run is the emphasis, you just have to have this group. And who would have thought that the running backs were the group we'd be talking about and not the receivers? Coming out of fall camp, it was, BYU has all these tall tree receivers, Hoffman, 
Matthews, Oppo, Oppo, Ridley, all these guys. It's been the running backs that have really, really impressed. That's the beauty of college football. You just don't know. That's why you watch the game. And that's not to say that the receivers couldn't have an incredible game at some point this season, which I think is going to happen. There's going to be a breakout game where the pass, the passing goes for over 300 yards and there's four touchdowns and Matthews and Oppo and Hoffman all start to get into the end zone. But you're right, it's, it's been the running game, and I don't anticipate that it will be any different coming against Utah State. Topic two. Create some turnovers. I think it's one, it's athleticism. Two, it's effort. And then three, probably you know just being in the right spot at the right time. That's defensive coordinator Nick Hal talking about the uh, what what it takes to get turnovers. Turnovers are interesting. So so BYU's defense is really good. Uh, last year finished top five. I don't know that they'll climb into those kind of statistical rankings. But the bottom line is how many points do you give up? And BYU's giving up seventeen and a half right now. So BYU it has not created a lot of turnovers this year. They just haven't. Uh, and the offense has turned it over more than the defense has created turnovers. So BYU's negative six overall on the season. Sometimes turnovers just straight don't matter. Uh, context, so where on the field did you get it? Did you turn it into points? What's the score? All those things matter. Against Texas, BYU runs for 550 yards on the ground. Lose the turnover. Back. And loses the turnover negative by negative two. Against Middle Tennessee, BYU wins by 27, loses the turnover battle five to one. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. But in a game like Utah State, in a game like Virginia, in a game like Utah, where they're, where they're close, we, I think Utah State, this game's going to be close. Turnovers matter. And they mattered last year. Uh, Utah State threw an interception that Preston Hadley intercepted at the goal line. It was from the 20 or 30-yard line. But that could have been a field goal that tied the game or a touchdown that took the lead and won the game for Utah State. Chucky Keaton, first drive of the second half against BYU, Fumbles the ball. BYU forces a fumble. Knocks it out. BYU then can't get any points off that because they went for a fake field goal and it didn't work. But if BYU had had a touchdown off of that, they win win by a touch, you know by seven instead of three. Or uh, no, it would have been thirteen. It would have been thirteen to three. Won by ten. So turnovers in close games matter. And in a close game like I think we'll have this Friday, BYU needs to create some turnovers. But the question is, and and I want to debate this a little bit. Would you rather have a bend-don't-break defense that doesn't give up a ton of points but doesn't create a ton of turnovers or more high-risk, high-reward defense where you do create more turnovers, you get some points off turnovers, but occasionally you give up some points, like uh, Boise State against Fresno State where you're still in the game, but it's high-scoring? For me, I, I think BYU's defense, the way it's set up right now, is just how it needs to be. So... While you put emphasis on creating turnovers, and yes, in close games, yeah, it, it does matter. There's no category for holding a team through four downs and, and getting a turnover on downs. BYU has done that on a number of occasions this year. Now, if that were a stat or a category, then BYU wouldn't be that far behind in the turnover battle. Three and outs is a category. I just don't know the, the number for BYU. I imagine it's good. They've done it twice. At least three times that I can remember. They've done it at least three times. So because that doesn't count as a turnover, sometimes it can be skewed. BYU still gets the ball back. They still get the ball back and have an opportunity to go score, to go take care of business on the offensive side of the field. So they're still, I feel like, creating turnovers, whether they get them on turnover on downs, and it's in between the 20s uh, compared to intercepting the ball or creating a fumble. So right now, you'd like to see, yeah, those safeties, those defensive backs come out with a few more of those jump balls uh, or a ball-hawking defense that's pounding out the football here and there. But I, I wouldn't give up big plays. I, I wouldn't. Would you give up big plays? No, I would like more turnovers, though. And there are certain games where I think if the BYU offense is going to be there more, that sometimes it's okay to be a little aggressive. In, in some way, in trying to create turnovers. But here's the thing, though. Turnovers, you just have to get lucky. Sometimes you just get lucky or unlucky. Craig Bills has a turnover in the end zone against Middle Tennessee. He runs into Daniel Sorensen, who's also going for it. Ball drops. They collide, ball drops. Yep. Uh, against Utah, a ball is tipped and bounced around. Remington Peck is near it, but it's not close enough to where he can actually grab it. Uh, fumbles are on the ground, and they don't get picked up. You know, that, that happens. So... 
I'm with you, but for the sake of the other side, it would be nice if sometimes the BYU defense uh, was aggressive and a little more aggressive to the point where you take a risk, uh, you blitz an extra guy, you try and force a fumble on the quarterback or uh, intercept a pass or zone blitz or something. That was the difference in the Boise State game last year. It was a zone blitz where a nose guard intercepts a pass and then runs it in the end zone. That's the only touchdown. That was touchdown. the difference. Boise State's offense did not score <laughs> on their home field. That was so annoying. And that you know what that was like, which would have been awesome? Like Romney Fuga dropping back in pass coverage, intercepting pass, and then running it in. <laughs> How awesome would that have been? And, and Nick Howell... Uh, BYU's defensive coordinator, he's very careful to make sure to not necessarily discuss this at length with his defense. He thinks that could actually be negative. You know, if you sit there and talk about turnovers all the time and dropping balls all the time, then that's what's going to happen. But if you just keep the message consistent and talk about running the ball and making plays and being ball hungry and being physical and when guys are holding guys up to smack them, then then I think it will just happen naturally. I th- like he said, I think it will just happen naturally. BYU's defense is too good not to at least force a few in a timely manner. And then, and then, and even then, it's on the offense to turn that into points. Because if you don't turn it into points, you prevented the other team from scoring. That has value. But the most important thing is scoring points. Uh, and so BYU's defense does a good job. But that, that's, that's really the only thing that I see that this defense can really do better. There's some deficiencies in the secondary, but BYU covers them extremely well. They're an outstanding team defense. Yeah, no question. Uh, look at the statistics. Look at the, what they've done uh, against the four teams that they've played. And the most points they've given up this year, 21, against Texas. But they won that game 40-21. to 21. Gave up 20 against Utah, lost. 19 against Virginia, lost. 10 against Middle Tennessee, win. And the last 21 games, that incredible stat, BYU's only given up 24 or more a single time. Against a very good Oregon State offense. Amazing. That is incredible. Again, Think Sean about Mannion, that. Or, or excuse me, Cody Vaz. The funny thing is, Sean Mannion's hurt in that game. It's Cody Vaz. Sean Mannion is number one in the country in, in passing touchdowns right now. You know who's number two? Chucky Keaton. 17 touchdown passes through five games. One interception. One interception. Yeah. Get, He's good. Get ready, BYU. He's good. BYU's defense is pretty good, too. I, I'm ecstatic at that matchup. Uh, very quickly, uh, we remind you to vote on. Our uh, poll question, BYUTVSports.com, and the question today is, what do you expect from BYU's run game on Friday? Jamal's back. Run him. 200-plus yards from multiple contributors. Taysom Hill has at least another 100 yards rushing. Or it's a defensive game with under 150 yards. Let's get to a tweet. Uh, At Josh Loves It, he said, I expect the BYU's traditional passing game will again take a back seat to the run game. And he had a frowny face. Is it? Look, if you get 400 yards of total offense, does it matter how it, how you get it? I don't even care about yards as much as I do points. Just score. If you can score, it doesn't matter how. Just do it. Yeah. We uh, have a great treat coming up next. He's Canadian. He loves hockey and probably curling, according to Jerem Jordan. He is the radio voice of the Cougars. Greg Rebell joins us next in studio and will tell us what is the one thing he is looking for that may determine a BYU win. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton. And at Jerem Jordan, join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Tomorrow, Utah State sophomore linebacker Kyler Fackrell, very solid player. He joins us and coaching legend Lavelle Edwards. I repeat, Lavelle Edwards All on right. BYU Sports Nation. Friday, we joined, we're joined by Utah State head football coach Matt Wells. Let's update the poll result on BYUTVSports.com and weigh in at BYU Sports Nation. What do you expect from BYU's run game on Friday? The leader right now... Well, we're, we have a two-way tie, actually. 200-plus yards for multiple contributors. Taysom has another 100 uh, yards rushing, followed by it's a defensive game with one under 150 yards, and then Jamal's back, run him. This is the most evenly balanced poll result we've ever had in the history of this show, of all 23 episodes. <laughs> we're going way back. It is lengthy. Uh, it goes along with what you said, A, B, and C. Like, you choose all three. So you, you think that Taysom's 100 yards is part of a combined 200-yard yes. rushing effort. 
And you can see that a number of ways. I guess that's that's not too bold. No. We'll have bold predictions. We'll get to bold predictions. Yeah, we'll have bold predictions on Friday. Joining us now in studio for the second time, we are grateful to have him on, the radio voice of the BYU Cougars, Greg Rebell. Greg, welcome back to the show. Spencer, good morning to you. Jerem, good morning to you. Thank you. (laughs) I I was waiting for potentially an insult, Jerem. I know. I I was too. No, that could not be possible. No, never happened. (laughs) And I hope you you enjoyed the uh, picture I just tweeted of you. I I like to say this guy is on the show, Mm -hmm. uh, or lady. I've seen that. Last uh, last week, or two weeks ago, was the uh, mustache from the Y Awards. You remember that? True enough. Yeah. Last week, I saw you tweeted a picture of uh, Logan Kilgore. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's on the show. Yeah, so I haven't seen your picture for today. I'm I anxious. just I just tweeted as, okay. as we're looking forward to that. Greg, I can't remember a time when the Cougars and Aggies showdown generated this much media buzz. Granted, yeah, I know I'm relatively I'm young, but I'm still familiar with the rivalry series. I read a complaint yesterday from former Utah running back Jamal Anderson saying everybody's talking about BYU Utah State and not Utah UCLA, which uh, I kind of got a chuckle out of. And why do you feel like? This year, this rivalry has generated so much media buzz. Well, first of all, I think, um, you know, taking Jamal's comment there for a moment, uh, pretty much BYU and whomever is going to generate uh, more attention in this market than Utah and whoever they're playing. It's just the way it is, Pac-12 or not. Uh, BYU moves the needle more than Utah. Uh, it, it, that's always been that way, and it will probably continue to be that way. And and, and so, I, you know, the fact that they're playing Utah State this week, um, again, steps it up a notch a little bit. But again, BYU's always been the more interesting program. And you know, for, for you know, when when they're up or when they're down, they're the more interesting program. It doesn't matter what you know if if they're not in the Pac-12 and Utah is. That's just kind of the way it is. And people who are in the media in this market, I think, know that, and they've known it for a long time. You want to generate listener interest and discussion. You're going to talk about BYU, and you're not going to talk about the other team. Um, and and there's a lot of reasons for that. But that said, taking it to BYU and Utah State. The question I've been getting a lot uh, via Twitter primarily is, you know, when's the last time BYU was an underdog to Utah State? Everyone's yeah. fixated on, on, on the betting line aspect of it. And that is that, that does make this year's meeting a little bit unique. Um, but there are enough reasons to say that the Aggies should be favored, not the least of which is the fact they last lost a non-conference home game um, to BYU back in 2008, I think, five years ago. They're on a nine-game home win streak. They've got Chucky. They've got a good offense. Uh, they're a pretty well-rounded team. I mean, they're ranked well offensively and defensively. So they, you know, there are reasons to consider the Ags the favorites in this game, and hopefully that motivates BYU a little bit. BYU doesn't, doesn't um, you know, BYU's not an underdog too frequently uh, in in-state matchups. And, uh, you know, this hopefully appeals to their pride a little bit and, and becomes kind of a stand-up moment for these guys. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to call it an intriguing game, but I think the Chucky Taysom matchup uh, is, is to me, among the most compelling aspects from this contest. And uh, while they'll not be on the field at the same time, their respective outputs will have a lot to say about who wins this game Certainly. on Friday night. And they both have a lot of the very the same uh, attributes. Uh, Chucky's the better passer. Taysom's the better runner. And then the, the, those numbers bear themselves out right now. Um, and, and so, to me, that, that's kind of where, where I kind of focus on right now. We're ch- talking with uh, talking and chatting. I, w- I was... Tatting? We're chalking. 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 We're chalking. We're chalking with, with Greg Bell, uh, radio voice of the <laughs> BYU Cougars. Uh, the, a couple of years ago, this the rivalry uh, heated up to maybe its hottest degree in, in history, in, in my opinion now, because it's been so competitive. Blaine Fowler talked about how in the 80s there were some really good games and there were a lot of good Aggie teams and Utah wasn't a threat and Utah State was and nipped BYU a couple times. But when BYU lost in Logan and then in 2011 stormed the field... When BYU stormed the field, to me that meant it's on. We respect you. Uh, granted, the game ended in dramatic fashion, but then it's a three three point game two years in a row. Mm-hmm. This is this is a different kind of rivalry. Was there a storming been. in the uh, in the Marcus Matthews game? Yes. Okay. No yeah. Okay. I remember that. Riley Nelson comes in. All the drama there. BYU stormed the field, and some BYU fans said, "Hey, why are we storming the field for Utah State?" But to me, that said. Hey, you're you're a threat now. Well, I I I don't know. I, I think storm. <laughs> I, I think storming is is just uh, something college kids do now when when there's an exciting win. I I don't I don't think they necessarily look at the historical. They don't get together and say now historically, let's consider what this win really means and should we do this? No, it's like we're hitting the field. But so, it, but BYU would not have done that against San Jose State or Idaho or I don't know. But, it, I, I mean, it was a comeback and a last second crazy win. It was it was you know it, there there were dramatic elements to it. 
I guess it's, I guess I can't really uh, surmise whether they would have done it against uh, you know a team of of you know that ilk. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's it's still though twenty eight and four in the last thirty two meetings. I mean, the Aggies win about once a decade. That's what it comes down since the since the mid seventies. Like once a decade, you can count on them getting a win. So so there's still a lot of historical weight to you know to to, to where BYU sits in this thing. And and the last two games were here in Provo. They don't go to you know they don't go to Utah State every other year uh, like you would with a Utah or, or another traditional rival. So it feels a little different that way. Uh, and for a lot of years, it was weighted that way. You'd play two or three in Provo and then get one in in, in Logan and 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 carry it that way. And for a long time, it was annual. And and then you had that that late nineties into the 2000s where it was, or mid-90s to the 2000s, where it was a year on, two off, two years on, three years off. There was a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, incongruous uh, patterns in in the most recent years. Um, I like it when it's annual, and I I don't don't mind it being a a home-and-home thing. A lot of people get hung up on, it means you're giving something away, or it means you're you're lowering your... No, I don't look at it that way at all. I I, I look at this in-state game like I do the Utah game. It it can be be a a home-and-home, up-and-back every other year. I have no problem with that. I I, I think that's fine. Um, Some people do get hung up on that, though. They think it's it's, it's, uh, somehow diminishing BYU, and I, I don't buy that necessarily. If Utah State agrees, that having you know two in Provo and then having one back in Utah uh, or, or or back in Logan for a short time is good for you know fiscal concerns. So be it. But but if this were to go home and home, I'm fine with that. Um, I kind of like the rivalry, and I think uh, I think where Utah State is right now uh, in the Mountain West Conference uh, with their ability to pay a little more uh, and build a little more uh, build a little better facilities, I, I think this is uh, something that will only benefit uh, the three teams in the state: Utah, Utah State, and BYU. I remember a couple of things. About that 2011 game going back, Greg, I was I was streaming you uh, in a news vehicle on my way to cover a high school football game in Southern <laughs> California, and thinking, I can't believe BYU is going to lose to Utah State in Provo, but give credit to the Aggies, and then of course Riley comes in and saves the day and, and craziness and all. I had a hard time focusing on what I was supposed to be doing that night, which was covering high school football because of the excitement level. But, yeah, I'll never forget that. Second thing I was thinking about as you were talking is a lot of people are saying now that BYU doesn't play Utah, does Utah State fill in that rivalry role now, or is it Boise State? I don't think anything replaces Utah or becomes a reasonable reasonable facsimile for Utah. Uh, Boise's a different kind of rivalry. Utah State's always has been and still will be different. It's just a hiatus. It's just it's just two years you're not going to see that team. But I, I don't think anything ever will will replace or or even um, you know fill in the spot for for Utah. I just think that it's it's that it's that unique. Um, but uh, you know Utah State's a competitive program team and program right now and and again it gets back to those reasons that they're you know close to a touchdown favorite uh, to beat BYU this Friday I think it's a huge game for BYU if if they want to go bowling um, and they don't get the game in Logan uh, that that now puts them in a position to have to win four of their final seven um, including at least one road game at least one road game uh, with those road games being Houston Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Nevada. Which of those four do you say they've got the best chance of winning? Well, I don't think it's it's necessarily that easy to say four games in, uh, but I do know that at two and three, five games in, it becomes a much taller task. Oh, yeah. You have to win all of your home games, which means you're going to have to beat Georgia Tech and Boise in addition to Idaho State's, which you're given. So, and and Boise's going to be. I mean, they haven't beaten Boise ever, right? So they still got to do that. Uh, Georgia Tech, I think, is a team BYU feels confident about as how they've handled them, especially last year. But, you know, they were a 3-0 team till last week. I think this is a linchpin game for BYU. I think BYU's bowl hopes in a lot of ways ride on Friday night. If they get that win and they're and, and they're to three and two, then they know that just winning their home games gets them in a bowl game. If they're to lose um, a home game, they've got to find one on the road. Uh, but but uh, it's it's a much better position to be. And I I think this game kind of becomes again bowl or no bowl rides a lot. I think on Friday night for BYU just because of how schedule how tough the schedule is the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, for Utah State, you know they're already three and two. They're back to five hundred with a loss to BYU. A lot of promise that already kind of goes. Ah, now we're a 500 team. Um, you know they still have their conference to play for, of course. But it's it's. I think it's big for both teams that way. Chatting with uh, radio voice of the Cougars, Greg Bell here on BYU Sports Nation in studio. We've talked about uh, Jamal Williams and his return uh, on Friday against Utah State. BYU didn't need him against Middle Tennessee. They didn't need Cody Hoffman. So if there was a game where you didn't have those guys, that was the game. 
but against Utah State, what kind of impact uh, will Jamal Williams have in the game, you think? Well, I think I think to win this game, you kind of need your big three. Uh, Taysom, Jamal, and Cody all playing together. Um, against Middle Tennessee, I still thought that, that, that certain players had to uh, step up in their absence and, and have a good game, and, and enough of them did. I think what you saw against um, against Middle Tennessee that I that I wish I, we could have seen a bit more of against Utah is Taysom kind of taking matters into his own hands. Now, to be say to be fair, Utah schemed well for Taysom to make sure that he didn't have the ability to do uh, what he did, you know, more easily against Texas or even Middle Tennessee. But there were enough times against Utah where he was just a yard or two short, it seemed, from from either a first down or a big play. And I thought against Middle Tennessee, he thought, you know what, we're down our two most important players. He probably considered himself to be one of the big three, you know, as I call them. And we can't lose this on my watch. This has to be a game where I, you know, kind of will us to win. And it's never just one guy. But I thought that was Taysom Hill's game against Middle Tennessee. I really thought that was Taysom showing, I'm not going to let you down. We're missing two big players. I will not let you down. I'll make sure we get this win. And, you know, it's, it wasn't a dangerous game until you're, you know, you're down 10-7 and you're going into the second quarter. And it's like we're not quite yet where we want to be yet with this thing. They still had to play well and, and you know, to get that win, and that they did. Um, and it should have been a much, you know, it should have been in the 50s, uh, I would think. But I think that was a game where Taysom Hill said, guys, I got this. And, and now against Utah State, it can't just be Taysom. It's got to be those other guys. And it's really good to have Jamal Williams back uh, because um, I, I think, you know, with Adam Hine perhaps not being available, um, some ball security issues that evidenced themselves last week with other guys, um, I, I think, Jay, you know, Jamal's, you know, the key cog uh, this week. Much has been said about BYU losing the turnover battle to Middle Tennessee five to one or negative six on the season. First how, time, first time uh, uh, Bronco uh, Bronco team has won a game with five turnovers. By the way, hmm. how much of a concern to you is that, given the strength of BYU's defense this year and, and coming off last year, and they were an incredible defense as well? Turnover margin is always a concern uh, to me because it's one of the most uh, it's one of the most predominant indicators of success or failure in the Bronco era. Um, you know when they're when when they're plus they they rarely lose when they're minus they rarely win. We had a couple of situations this year in which they've lost on the plus and won on the minus, which is unusual. <laughs> but there were some mitigating circumstances with uh, Virginia. They were technically plus, but you know they they had a block punt against it turned into a touchdown um, and and, uh, and and and, and a safety, safety and, and and so those are kind of mitigating circumstances, but I think it's one of the key factors. And early in Broncos' career at BYU, when he was defensive coordinator, two thousand three, two thousand four, that was the day. Those are the days of the three three five, and that was when aggression on defense didn't just mean um, you know total yardage and points. It meant sudden change plays and and takeaways. Yeah. They would break every defensive huddle with one word: turnovers. They would get together. You know, turnovers on three. And that was what they were all about. They were a scoop and score team. It was like, we don't, we don't just want to knock the ball out. We want to score with that ball. And David Nixon's talked about how Bronco said, hey, I want you guys lateraling the ball and getting in the end zone. And <laughs> that, then they fumbled it a couple times. Yeah. And they said, no, don't, yeah, don't do that anymore. But, but that was the primary emphasis. It wasn't just be a solid defense and hit hard. It was get the ball and score with it. That was where it was all at. And and Broncos modified his philosophy over time. It's become more about um, being being sound in assignment, um, certainly hitting hard, but being in a position to make a play and and not making unnecessary gambles that will um, allow the the ball carrier to go further than he would have otherwise. So it went from being you know went from turnovers to now being a team where it's like if they were to have a break of a huddle, it'd be like uh, you know yards per play on three uh, because <laughs> that, that's what they want to see. That they, they, they want a low defensive yards per play and they want of course low points against and that's what it's all about and and to be fair to 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 be um to be fair to the BYU defense they've met more of their goals on a game to game basis turnovers notwithstanding takeaways notwithstanding they've met more of their goals on a game to game basis than the offense for quite a while now i yeah. mean going back you know not a number of games and seasons it really is up to the offense to start carrying more of its weight because the the standards bronco sets you know, for 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 wins and losses from the, from the defensive standpoint. If you do this on defense, you'll most likely win. Those things are pretty much being met, kind of game to game to game. 
I mean, they haven't allowed more than 21 points yet in any game this season. That historically is going to be enough to be 4-0, not 2-2. Should be. But they are 2-2. Should be 20-1 in in the last last 21 games. So so they set these standards based on historical precedent and what you can reasonably expect from the offensive unit, and the offense hasn't gotten there yet. And when you switch systems like they have, it it, again, it kind of puts you back in first gear. You got you got to downshift and start back up again, uh, and that's when that's when they're they're in the process of right now. I know we're going to wrap it up, but as much people as much as as people these days look at Taysom Hill and wring their hands, they've got to realize that he's he's had six starts and he's switching systems, and he hasn't had even close to the same offensive line in four games, and it'll look again different on Friday. I mean, Chucky Keaton has played in front of an, you know his offensive line, this group, you know, upwards of twenty games right now. Now now they'll be missing Kyle, Kyle Wimpy, Wimpy, yeah, that, but that's the one. I mean, it was five starters back, and that's the one thing they've had to deal with. BYU game-to-game, week-to-week this year, it looks different every week. And you're running a new system with a young quarterback. Give this guy room to... What he's done with with what he's been faced with... Ridiculous. He's 326 offensive yards per game, total yards of offense per game. Whether it's passing and running combined, that's a great number. That's That's 15th nationally from a young quarterback... Trying to do a lot on his own right now. Uh, people got to give this guy a big break because he's a special athlete. He's going to be a great quarterback at BYU, and um, and I, you know, and if they win the game on Friday, this guy will have had another tremendous game. I think. And if that's if this is the cost of BYU getting a ten or eleven win season, maybe once or twice, I'll take it. I'll take it. At the beginning of his sophomore year. Here. Well, you know, and, and back in the day, um, this was, you know, Ty Detmer was one of the few quarterbacks that actually got to play three, where he had, you know, he was great from his sophomore season going onward. Um, you know, a lot of the great quarterbacks, it was you sit for two, you sit and watch the guy for two, and then you become a star for two. And then that's kind of the way it was. It was Young, it was Bosco, um, it was it was others, you know, who did that. Where they, they had two, that they had their two years after watching for two. And that's not rarely the way it is anymore. At least it hasn't been at BYU for quite a while. And so we've got to give this guy that sophomore season to learn, to grow, and expect him to have those two great final years. And not that this year's even done yet. There's still two-thirds of the season to go, right. and a lot of great things can happen with this team. But for people to, 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 to get all you know uptight about Taysom Hill's performance, they're not seeing it the way I see it at all. Um, I, I just I, again, they're, they're 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 seeing different things than I'm seeing because I, I see a guy that's going to be tremendous for BYU. Two of the more dynamic college quarterbacks on display Friday night in Logan at Romney Stadium. BYU Utah State kickoff at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain. That game will air on CBS College Sports. Up next, Al Lewis, the radio voice of Utah State football, will tell us how much more dangerous Chucky Keaton is this year against the Cougars. This is BYU Sports Station. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Tyler Haas, and you are in BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Go Cougs. Thanks, Tyler. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here with you in Provo. Game day football coverage on BYU Radio for the Cougars and Utah State Aggies begins Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. BYU TV's countdown to kickoff starts at 7 Eastern, and the game will air live on CBS College Sports at 8 p.m. Both BYU TV and BYU Radio have post-game coverage right after the game. Right now, Al Lewis, 21 years as the play-by-play voice of Utah State football on KVNU in Cache Valley. Al joining the show for the first time, and we are glad to have him with us. Let me ask you this, Al. Yesterday, Jeremy and I talked about which team needs this win more. Given Utah State's conference affiliation in the Mountain West, technically they could lose this game and be just fine in their pursuit of a conference championship. That said, why does Utah State feel they need this win just as much, if not more, than an independent BYU? Because it's against BYU and they haven't beat them very often. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that simple answer. And, and, and let's face it, I think Utah State fans still care more about this game than the Boise game next week, even though the Boise game next week would have more ramifications. Really? That. Yeah. Well, the, has Utah State had uh, two bigger home games back-to-back in Logan before like this? Those are two great games. Oh, I, I mean, you, you get these two and, and you, you, you know, and I mean, the Weber State game was a sellout, even that we had against Weber State. So, that hasn't ever happened before in Logan. We've probably got three straight sellouts to open this season. This schedule that we played already this year uh, has got to be the best uh, that Utah State's ever played, I think, in football. And, again, it helps because you've got a competitive team that makes it very interesting, too. Al, you're obviously on the pulse of Utah State football. You get to watch Chucky Keaton up close and personal each and every week and have now watched him uh, this in his third season as the signal caller for the Aggies. 
What makes him unique from other great college football players? Uh, he, he really is a studier of the game, gets in there and really watches a lot of film on his own. He seems to understand that. The other thing, I really think he's very teachable and coachable. Uh, he knows he's good, but then he also uh, always every week comes in and says, oh, I should have done this better or whatever. He's, uh, uh, he's, so he's always working on his mechanics and working on things and trying to get better with his delivery. And he's, his uh, footwork's really been terrific this year. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is when he's had a bad game, he usually comes back and let's hope maybe he, uh, he remembers how it was against BYU last year and he felt like he didn't play well. Now, I give BYU's defense a lot of the credit for that and he didn't play well against USC and he was thinking it was him and USC's defense was good and he came back and played better against San Jose. So let's see if those kind of things combine. But I think that's where it is, is he's always trying to be better. Talking with Al Lewis, uh, play-by-play voice of Utah State football and KVNU in Cache Valley. Al, the last two years have been three-point games. BYU had to come back in one and then held off Utah State in another. What's, what's kind of the pulse of this matchup, given the fact that it's been very close the last two years? Well, that's, I think all of a sudden you know, there is the feeling that there is a rivalry here, that there is some interest, that you know, we can have an interesting game, and, and not always just hoping that you have a chance, but having a chance to definitely maybe win the game. And I think that's what Utah State's hoping for in this one. I, I think the sense of the team is that they can play with BYU. They know they matched them last year physically and just didn't get it done in a couple plays and, and let them have the touchdown towards the end of the first half. Other than that, they really shut them out pretty well. I mean, BYU had the one time they drove down and tried a field goal, and uh, a fake field goal, and missed it last year. So I think they feel like they can play with them. So I think the sense is, this is a really close football game against a really good team, very physical like Utah State is. I, I think the, the matchup, everybody's really anticipating and looking forward to it. Al, does Utah State and their fan base, in your opinion, view BYU as more of a rival than Utah, per se? Well, it's probably going to be that way because BYU and Utah State are going to play more often than Utah and BYU and Utah and Utah State. I mean, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, I, I think that the people really get fired up for BYU-Utah State contests. Yeah, I, and I think that's more and more and more of the modern stuff when BYU got really good in football. Um, uh, you know, the old-time Aggie guys, I think, still th- feel more about the Utah thing. But with Utah happening less and less, I think this is more of the real in-state rivalry to most Utah State fans now. Talking with Al Lewis, play-by-play voice of Utah State football. Al, my name's Jerem. It's not common. And Utah State has two Jerems on the roster. This is tremendous. Uh, the punter, yeah. <laughs> it would be the punter. Yeah, well, yeah, one's the punter and then a, a backup offensive lineman. Yeah, and, and he probably won't play yet uh, for Utah. Let's get him in the game. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> the of punter, offensive line, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Plays, he's been, he was, in fact, I think he was maybe the kickoff guy when we played down at Provo, one of the, you know, last year or something. I think, and Bentrew moved into the punting job this year. So yeah, it is. But uh, you know, and, and special teams has been a big part of things uh, for Utah State in, in big games, close games. Got to come through with some special teams plays and. Ventrude had a short punt against USC that hurt us. Last year, we missed a field goal in the game at Provo that might have made a difference. Missed a field goal against Wisconsin last year. Would have won the game because it drove down the field to win the game and missed the field goal. So, yeah, those special teams guys are, are, are big, so that's why they stand out. And they have great names. Um, looking at the offensive line, Kyle Wimpy tears his patellar tendon against San Jose State on a, the fourth most experienced offensive line in America coming into this year. Who replaces him, and what impact does that have on Utah State's offense? I think what they'll do is they'll move uh, Jamie Marcosian from one side guard to the other side, and I think they'll bring Sini Tauavea in there at the other guard. There's Bill Baval, who can kind of be a, a, a wildcatting play everywhere on the offensive line to kind of be a backup, but I think that's what they'll do. Um, uh, it did not seem to be a big difference in the San Jose State game. I mean, there was a lot of the game that got – I mean, they played a whole quarter before they started to play the second string guys anyhow uh, when that, after that happened. So I don't think they think it'll be a big deal, but I always think it is because I think offensive line has to all be kind of like five playing as one, and they had played so much together, all those guys, and knew everything. And now you've got one guy who hasn't had as much into there. I think it could make a difference. It's inside, it's not outside, so maybe that helps it not like giving Van Oy or Fu or one of those guys a chance off the edge a little bit more. But uh, still, BYU is pretty tough up front, so it can make a difference. 
Al Lewis, voice of Utah State football, joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Al, it's well documented that Cache Valley is a tough place to play, whether basketball or football now. The fan base in Logan, affectionately known as the Herd, makes a living exploiting opponents' past mistakes, faults, controversies. They will find skeletons in the closet, ex-girlfriends, and they will very subtly remind their opponents about those things. It's become a badge of pride, at least in my opinion. When did you see that madness really start to take over in the Utah State fan base? Of course, it started in the spectrum in basketball, and, and, and they got a, a group that kind of got things together, and they started to print materials, and they started to do a God. I would say the last six or seven years, it really started there. Football, really during the Gary Anderson years, he, he, when he was introduced, he came to the spectrum in a basketball game, and, and they gave him the mic, and he said, okay, I want all of you to be the same exact way in football, and they started to. But, again, it took, you know, Gary's first year where they only won four wasn't that way. But when they started to be competitive, started to play well, then they started to bring it over to football. And, you know, the, the football stadium, the way it's built now with that north end com, uh, com, complex we have, does kind of keep the noise in. I mean, not quite as much as the spectrum, but it, it makes it pretty noisy down there on the field. For uh, Everybody says it's a really noisy stadium now, uh, the way it is kind of built and the way it doesn't keep in. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of outside it's all down in that bowl. So uh, they brought it here a couple years ago uh, into football, and now it seems to have worked, and, and they seem to be there. They'll, they'll run into the stadium. Let's see, the game starts at 6. They'll run in at 4.30, and they'll fill up most of the student section for this game about that time. Is Wild Bill still around, or, or does Wild he Bill's have a job around. somewhere yeah. working? <laughs> Wild, Wild Bill's still around. Now, last year he had a new a, apprentice that kind of debuted in the basketball oh. season. Wild Bill was trying to help him along the way. Wild Bill Jr. Yeah, but Wild Bill, I think technically now is finished at Utah State after uh, probably about that you know ten or twelve year uh, <laughs> time of going through school. Lots of people uh, go to school for that long. They're called doctors. You'll see him once in a while, and he's a terrific Aggie fan. And uh, he, you know he was struggling with his health there for a while, and uh, fortunately, I think he's doing better that way. But uh, he does not. Uh, I have not seen him at the football games this year, uh, and I only saw him at one basketball game last year, and I think he was mm. letting his apprentice do most of the stuff. I want to see Wild Bill at, at Friday's game, though. Yeah, he's, he needs to be there. Yeah, It's only fitting that he's there for such a huge in-state rivalry now, game. Now, BYU and this kind of deal, he could be. He better be there. He may make yeah. an exception. Yeah. Al Lewis, thanks so much for the time. Uh, oh, very quickly, our producer, Ben Bagley, who has Utah State Ties, wants to know, your favorite costume that Wild Bill has worn? Oh, probably. <laughs> or um, lack thereof costume. Well, yeah, the, 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 anything with the bare belly, you know, like the, <laughs> you know, like, uh, the time he was like, uh, what is it, who is uh, uh, Aladdin, uh, you know, with the bare belly and all of that. And then he had another one where he had some sprinkly stuff that was coming off of some thing on the top of his head. Uh, you know, I think he told me once that was a Teletubby or something. I, that, I'm, that's out of my uh, generation, so I don't know. Oh, that is fantastic. Al Lewis, voice of the Utah State football team on KVNU and Cash Valley. Thanks for the time, and we'll see you on Friday. All right. Thanks, guys. Great stuff from Al Lewis. We remind you tomorrow, former Aggie and Cougar. Uh, legendary coach Lavelle Edwards will join us on BYU Sports Nation. Excited for that. Coming up, the Cougar whip around and we'll tell you what BYU team is one of the hottest teams on campus. Today's Rise and Shout and your tweets. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Heck yes, it is. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Women's Volleyball. The Cougars have won nine of their last ten and play at Pepperdine tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern. You can watch that game live on ESPNU. BYU leading the West Coast Conference at 3-0 in conference play. Soccer. The women's team is number 22 in the latest NSCAA rankings after losing three of the last four. The Cougars play at 20th ranked Baylor on Friday in the final non-conference game of the year. Cross country. The Cougars head to South Bend, Indiana for all that tradition this Friday. 
for the Notre Dame Invitational. The meet sets the stage for BYU's football game at Notre Dame, of course, on November 23rd. Take care of business, ladies. And then November 23rd, the football team will roll in there. And take care of business, too. Is that a prediction, Jerem? Sure. BYU beats Notre Dame this year in South Bend? Tommy Reese. Put it down. Unimpressed. Put it down. Uh... Coming up uh, Thursday and Friday, some great guests. Uh, Utah State sophomore linebacker Kyler Fackrell will join the show, as well as Lavelle Edwards, former Aggie player and BYU legendary coach, of course. And then Friday, Utah State head coach Matt Wells. Yeah, Matt Wells was a redshirt freshman in 1993 uh, during a rare victory for Utah State over BYU in Logan. 58-56, BYU's quarterback John Walsh passed for 619 yards, a single-game record at BYU, and they lost. They lost that game. Oh, Matt Wells, great guy. I will join him. He's obviously in his first year as head coach at Utah State. Who gets today's Rise and Shout? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. That's a good question. How about to our producer, Ben Bagley, for lining up fantastic guests all week long. Ben, thank you for all you do for us. Even though I love you, Ben. You went to Utah State. We're going to give you a <laughs> cougar. Well, he went to Utah State and Rise Utah. and Shout. <laughs> But he, he he says he's like Lavelle Edwards. Lavelle went to Utah State undergrad, got his master's at Utah and doctoral at BYU. Now the the degrees are not the same. But Ben has come <laughs> to BYU, and that's and that's how maybe he finishes. I don't know. You're still young though. Con- maybe he's here for the rest of his life. I don't he's know. Converting slowly. We we have wrapped. I think it's quickly. We have wrapped our cougar flaxen cord around Ben. <laughs> Flaxen cord. Nice. <laughs> are gently pulling him in to the goodness of BYU Blue. Oh, Let's get to some tweets really quickly before we have to end, Jerem. Uh, F. Ruiz 801 says, I loved Gregor Bell's truth bomb on BYU Sports Nation. BYU moves the needle in this market. Saying that BYU will generate more attention and more publicity than any of the other local colleges in Utah. Little uh, Stebby says, BYU's, in reference to our poll question, BYU will break records with the offense. And yeah. let's, let's give final poll results on that, by the way. What do you expect from BYU's run, uh, run game on Friday? The winner, 200-plus yards from multiple contributors. Followed by Taysom has another 100 yards rushing. It's a defensive game with under 150 yards. And then Jamal's back. Run him! Okay, last tweet comes from at Sugar Native. Doug, people who say Taysom is a bust because he is a poor passer really don't have a clue, and that's going along with what Greg Rebell said. We have an international audience, so it was very fun to listen to Al Lewis of Utah State talk about Wild Bill, if you're not familiar with him, and many of you across the country are not. He, he is an entertaining character. Watch for him as BYU takes on Utah State. If, the, if he's there, the camera will find him. Super fan, yeah. Big thanks to our guest Greg Rebell and Al Lewis and everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, who got today's Rise and Shout. Senior Coordinating Producer Michael Miner, BYU Radio Station Manager Don Chaline, Production Assistants Alan Miller, and Spencer King, and our engineer A.A. Ron Evans. Archived episodes of this show on BYU Radio's YouTube channel every afternoon for Jerem Jordan. I am merely Spencer Linton. You have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. Yeah!